Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be joined by some of the fantastic cast members from Apple TV Plus's CODA. We are joined today by the fantastic Amelia Jones, Marley Matlin, Troy Coatser, Daniel Durant, Eugenio Derbez, and Ferdia Walsh-Pilo. And Amelia, I wanted to start with a question for you um, in terms of, of how you thought differently about your performance for this movie, because obviously you're relying so heavily on ASL, um, and in giving a performance where you can't rely on on the delivery of your dialogue in the same way that you usually do in a performance. How did that kind of push you into a place where you had to think very differently about the expression of your performance throughout the film? I mean, this movie was a challenge, but I was surrounded by incredible people. Um, so although it was scary and, you know, I was kind of filming in a language that wasn't my own, I had amazing teachers in the process when I was training for nine months. And then I met Marley, Troy and Daniel and, um, and all of our interpreters on sets were coders. And so we kind of all just worked together and they really helped me kind of become a coder. I spoke to a lot of coders, but I loved portraying my feelings through a different medium. I found it hard, but it was also really fun. And it kind of allowed me to get out of my head and, and sign language is so moving and it's so beautiful that you kind of have to embody what you're saying. And so it's so physical. And I absolutely loved it. And, you know, also, I mean, Marley, Troy and Daniel can probably explain this better than I can. But if you're saying something is big, you don't just say, oh, it's big. You have to show with your whole body, your facial expressions, your your, your arms. It's so, it's all so physical. And, and I loved it. I had such a good time, but I really wouldn't have been able to do it without, uh, you know, the whole the whole team. Yeah, I really love that. And and Marley, every time I watch this film, one of the lines that really strikes me in the script with your character is when she's talking to Ruby and she compliments her daughter on being brave and says that she never feels like she's been brave. And I feel like that tells us so much about how she views herself in the world and, and was interested in how you saw Jackie as a character when you read that line in the script because it, it, it explains so much and, and expresses so much in her. Well, when I first read, well, look, thank you, by the way, for having us today. Um, when I first had a chance to look at the script and I, I was jazzed for several reasons. The fact that uh, we're having a deaf actor and deaf actors carrying the film. We're talking about deaf culture. We're talking about sign language and the deaf community. But this character of Jackie specifically, as you asked, what interested me even more because it was a challenge for me, the fact that this character was completely opposite from who I am, from my experiences as a deaf person. That scene when I say to Ruby, um, wow, you're so brave. You could do things that I could never do. I tried to imagine myself in that scene. I remember when we filmed it, that Jackie really didn't have the opportunity to experience life the way that Ruby experienced. Uh, the, the, the fact that she was able to deal with life honesty, uh, honestly, and, and to be able to taste things where Jackie was in her own little circle doing, I mean, listen, she was a beauty queen and that was it. And in her family growing up, she didn't have any real communication. There wasn't any opportunity. And, and you know, Jackie and the Rossi family were of course close clearly, but as an actor, I had to really jump into Jackie's mind to delve into that I, frame of mind thinking, what is it that Jackie is afraid of? Um, because this is not something I recognize myself growing up. So yeah, it was just the opportunity to play that, to, to jump into a character like that was really a, a, a wonderful experience for me. It was really great. I w it was really heavy for me, but, and it was a tough day to do that scene. 
And Troy, when when you talk about the way that you develop your characters, um, you talk about how the story as a whole, the big picture of the story is so important to look at first. Um, and with the scripts like this, what were the details beyond just your character's lines in the movie that told you so much about him? Well, regarding Frank as a character and the big picture of Frank, I think the most important, one of the most important details is the journey of the coda going through both the hearing and the deaf worlds and traversing between the two. With her family, she uses sign language. With the outside world, she uses English as a spoken language. And many out there don't understand what this coda's home life is like, and she has to adapt along her journey. And so Many people out there never even thought of what a coda is and what their experience must be like. So Frank, as a father, has to obviously communicate with his daughter. And when Ruby leaves the situation, the communication shifts. And that is one of the important points of our story. Mm -hmm. And Daniel, with, with your character, I love that we get to see him open up in a different way as he develops a romantic relationship within the film. And, and when the two of you first are texting at the bar, you know, there's an immediate connection between the two of you. And then we get to see that relationship develop to the point where they're at the music performance later on. Um, and I was interested in, in how you wanted to explore different sides of your character through that relationship. Well, really, I mean, Leo, my character, um, he's very like chill, very independent. Um, you know, he obviously likes Tinder, as you see in the film. And I think that just kind of hit with me. You know, he saw this girl, they meet, and it just kind of grew organically from there. I mean, she wants to learn sign language. Leo sees this, you know, he's an opening there. They can kind of communicate. And it all just grew from that. Just kind of rolled forward. Um, I really like that scene uh, with the music and the song because, you know, at that time she was kind of like sort of interpreting and kind of feeding us, the deaf family, a little bit of what was going on while we were sitting in the audience. And, you know, at the beginning we're looking around, we didn't know what's happening. It's kind of awkward for us as deaf people, even though we were still there to support Ruby. But it was nice of her to sit there and kind of give us little tidbits of what, you know, what was happening, what was going on. So, yeah, I thought it was a great way to develop that. Yeah. And don't forget to use a condom. Remember that scene? <laughs> <laughs> Eugenio, jumping over to you and your character, you know, he has such high expectations of the students that he's working with when he sees promise like he does with Ruby. But I feel like the, the expectations that he has for them also speaks to the expectations and the standard that he's trying to achieve for himself in life um, and was interested in how you wanted to explore that part of, of his inner world and, and the things that he's trying to achieve for himself and the standards that he, he creates for himself because that's a lot of weight and responsibility to carry within oneself. Yeah, uh, well, when we were building the character, uh, when I was working with Sean, um, I told Sean that I wanted to do a, a character with a lot of personality, not just a, a normal teacher. And then we came up with this um, story that we never see in the movie where um, supposedly, um, I'm not just a, a teacher. I, I was a, a very famous pop singer. I had my own band in, in Mexico and Latin America, so I was very popular. And then uh, I tried to do the crossover, but I failed. And, and I end up uh, quitting 
my career and, and I end up teaching in, in, in Gloucester. And then I, I realized that I like, and I'm good at teaching. And I finally get married, have a, a, a kid, a family. Uh, I was like fed up with traveling all around the world. So um, that was my back story. And, and, and uh, that's why he's so passionate because he's not a, he's not a teacher. He's, he's a musician, a real musician that loves music and happens that he ends up teaching in a, in a high school. But, and, and then when she discovers uh, Ruby and he sees uh, her talent, he wants her to become what he couldn't be. And that's what he's pushing her that, that much because he really is a musician, he's passionate. At the same time, he wants her to, to become what he couldn't be. Yeah. You know, and, and with that idea of backstory as well for you, Ferdia, you know, when Miles comes to Ruby's house, there's so many things that she's always been ashamed of. And he really just looks at her family and sees the love and connection and, and talks about how he doesn't have that at home. Um, and I was interested in how that gave you a lot of details for your character's backstory for his family life, because as much as she's trying to connect with something in herself through music, so is your character as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's amazing that they find that uh, common ground. Um, I think that's what music, you know, that's when kind of music is, uh, is, is why music is, is so important to us as, as human beings. Uh, you go away and you make music and you find connections and you've kind of got to do your own thing with it. And it's all about connection with people, making music with people and, I think that's interesting in Miles and Ruby's situation because Miles, even though he comes from a family of music, he feels pressured to do things a certain way. And, uh, you know, they both kind of envy each other because Ruby just wants to make music, but Miles uh, feels a lot of pressure and wants kind of that uh, loving family relationship, as you said. Um, yet they still find this lovely um connection with music um and yeah i think that's i think that's a really beautiful uh kind of point in the music in the in the film that drew me drew me a lot to the script as well yeah amelia did you look at the lyrics of a lot of the the songs and really use that as part of your process for developing ruby because it's not just about the songs that she's singing you know it's when she's the one to choose singing the Joni mitchell song because that means something to her we see some of the records in her room so did that become a large part of how you formed your character and really listening to the music and, and a lot of the lyrics that she connects to 100 percent, and we were lucky because we shot most of the music scenes in order. And because I hadn't had a singing lesson before shooting, so singing was kind of daunting to me. It meant that during the process of filming and during the film, when Ruby's voice was growing, my voice was kind of growing too. And as you said, the lyrics, I think every song is perfect for this movie in its own way, because the lyrics, you can really identify with them. Um, I think every character can kind of identify with them, but especially Ruby. And I think with both sides now, it's it's such a beautiful song and the imagery is so beautiful. So then through sign, it's even more beautiful. And I was actually watching a Joni Mitchell documentary not that long ago, and she said it's the work of her childhood's end. And, you know, Ruby's at this point when she's coming to the end of her childhood and she's kind of got to figure out who she is outside of her childhood identity. So when I watched that, I was like, see, I knew, I knew it was the best song to have at the end of the movie. And I'm so glad that we got it. And to most of the songs that made the movie 
in the end weren't the songs in the script written. So I remember when I was prepping and having singing lessons, we were singing like 40 different songs a week, trying to get the rights and trying to get uh, different songs and trying to find the right fit. But I think, you know, we worked hard and we found the right one. Same with You're All I Need to Get By. Ruby can sing that and it works for when she's singing with Miles. She can identify with the lyrics, but it also works when she's singing to her dad. Um, so it, it made it kind of easy to um, emote through singing when the songs, um, when, well, yeah, when, the, when the lyrics were so meaningful and yeah. exactly what Ruby was feeling. Yeah, absolutely. And Troy and Daniel, I wanted to talk about the the relationship that your characters have within the fishing community, because this isn't something that is just the two of them. You know, Troy, your character mentions that this is something that his dad did and his grandfather. And so there's a real family history and connectivity in terms of the relationship they have. And, and I know that you both also did a lot of training alongside Amelia in terms of going onto a boat and learning a lot of the details. Um, and what were some of the, the specific details that you learned about being on a boat that you wanted to carry into the film along with the the connection for both of them um you know really we had to get up at like two o'clock in the morning um and we would drive down and get on a boat and go pretty far out i mean like half an hour out into the ocean and then we would um transfer onto like an actual fishing boat um we were there with professional fishermen i think maybe like five and there was like one who was like the owner of the boat, um, the actual owner. I think his name was Paul. Am I right on that? Was it Paul? Yeah, um, yeah right, right. And so it was like six of them teaching us how to, to do this stuff, like the, the net machines, how to rig the nets, how to bring them onto the boat. They explained all the different kinds of fish, like the sizes that were acceptable, how to separate the fish. And uh, I mean, Troy, you can, you can expand on this. Sure, absolutely. So after that happened, it really took me such a long time. I had to stay in the shower to try and get that stench of fish <laughs> off of me. Every all the different types of fish that I had to touch, like the monkfish, for oh, example, it was terrible, ugly fish, lobsters, and they look like big spiders to me. And I had to just be very patient and pick up all these live animals and separate them and. And sometimes they were slimy, like a squid, for example. It was hard to, to hold them. So we had to develop what type of sign language we would use to fit that fisherman culture and the fisherman tools. So we'd say, hey, where's this specific hook to spike the fish on the head? And so it took us about two weeks going out to get used to the heavy clothing as well, the heavy boots, the heavy gloves, because it affected the way I would walk. It affected the way I would sign. And I had to make specific adaptations to the fishing boat. So after those two weeks, I really felt like I was diving into that character. And when we'd get back to port, like maybe around 10 o'clock in the morning, all the fishermen would go to the bar at 10 in the morning. That was just a part of their culture, right? Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, like they all just piled in there, this famous, and those famous were getting into fights there. I mean, it was crazy. So Troy and I, you know, we went in and hung out with them. Just wanted to see what it looked like to, you know, help enrich our characters. And actually like every day, fights in that bar every single day these fishermen just like rough and ready this is their community this is what they you know lived as and i mean it was so great we got friends with them and we had participated their jokes it was a really fun time and marley kind of going back to some of the things that you were talking about with jackie before you know 
her relationship with her mother is, is something that we get to know a lot about. And there's certain things that she does with Ruby that maybe come from her own mother. Like when she tells her not to slouch, she was probably told the same by her mother. And then there's a lot of things that she tries to do differently because she doesn't want to repeat the patterns um, with her own daughter. She wants a different type of relationship. And what did you find were the things that she did because her mother had done them? And what were the things that you felt she wanted to make sure were very different in their relationship? Jackie, I mean, listen, as a mother, when she finds out that, um, first of all, when her brother, her, her baby is hearing, certainly it, it, it comes as a shock to her and it, it brings up a lot of fear because all she knows is being deaf, being deaf to a deaf baby, which is Leah and a deaf husband. So in her, it wasn't necessarily something she was familiar with uh, culturally. And now she has a hearing baby. So of course, first that sets her off. And then she thinks back to her mother and the way that her mother uh, raised her. So uh, I guess what uh, I guess what she was accustomed to growing up um, was that, you know, a, you praise someone for their beauty. You praise someone for their looks. You talk about their clothes. You talk about their makeup. You talk about their posture. All those things that Jackie's mother uh, gave to her that she wants to pass along to her daughter. Those, that's all she knows. That's all she really knows growing up. Um, but there was nothing really beyond that. Uh, communication really didn't exist between her and her mother. Um, the love didn't get expressed the same way. There was no real honest communication. And I think Jackie had to deal with the two sides, the side that her as a mother, what she was familiar with, as you said, uh, growing up and just like, you know, sitting up straight and, uh, you know, don't, uh, Tinder is something that we can do as a family. And, you know, it's all about family relationships. I mean, I think that, uh, that, the new things that come into Jackie's eyes, like for example, music, uh, having a boyfriend sort of throws her off for a little bit and she's not quite sure how to handle it, but she's trying to be better at it. She's, she's having, she's expressing a fear of being criticized as a mother, as a mother of a hearing daughter to be able to show that uh, she might be doing something wrong as a deaf mother. So for me personally, as Marley, uh, this is not something I, I was experienced with with my kids. Um, like that line that she says, if we were blind, would you want to be a painter? I mean, those things are so uh, the opposite of who I am and my belief as a mother. But again, you can't fault Jackie for trying to do the best that she can based on what she remembers from her mother, based on how she wants to raise her daughter. It's, 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 it's a tough thing going back and forth for Jackie. Frank, I'd like to... to he just falls in love with Jackie because she's this beauty queen. And when Ruby leaves, Frank and Jackie can get busy, have more sex and make more noise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when, when Jackie tells Ruby that she had that moment when she was a baby where she wished for a moment that her, her that Ruby was deaf as well because of the relationship that the two of them would have had because of that. Um, obviously, that's the first time she's told Ruby that. Did you think that she'd had that conversation with Frank and this was something that they had talked about? Or did you think that was the first time that she was saying that out loud to anybody? Um, I'm, I'm sure that Jackie probably just expressed to Frank at some point, wait, first of all, wait, we have a hearing daughter? Uh, well, let's just kind of go with the flow and see what happens. That's probably the first time that they talked about it and then they never brought it up again. Then when Ruby brings up the whole idea about you know the million dollar question, hey, can I go into to college? Can I go to music? And then she says, do you wish I was ever deaf? And certainly then Jackie really then realizes, oh, okay, that, 
that is a question I never thought of before. And uh, maybe it's time we have this conversation to have to be honest with each other uh, for both of them, for both Jackie and Ruby. For me to be able to get into that character, that mindset of Jackie, her fear, her uh, her uncertainty with how to deal with the situation like that. I mean, I had to get rid of everything that I had in my mind as Marley and jump into Jackie's character. It was really interesting to jump in. Uh, it, this attitude, this feeling that she had. And Eugenio, going back to how you were saying before that you had a lot of conversations with, with Sean Hader about it being important for your character to to have a lot of layers and to have a lot of texture. Um, you know, I love that we get details like when Ruby comes to his house, we see his kids' toys in the corner of the room. We see his kids sitting outside next to them when they're practicing at a certain point. And so we don't need a scene even with, the, with him and his daughter to know what that relationship is, to know what that connection is. Um, and was that something where you knew very early on in working on the film that you were going to have the richness of a lot of details like that added in throughout. Yeah, I, I feel that uh, uh, keeping, um, we shot a couple of scenes with uh, with my wife and my kid, but then uh, finally Sean cut them out. And uh, I, I, I like that because there's some kind of mysteriousness uh, behind it that makes it uh, interesting because you're trying to guess who's this guy, why, what's his life be behind teaching, and uh, and, and uh, you can sense the family around there, but you can see the, the kids. There's, there's just one scene after the concert where you see the the, the wife and 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 his kid, but uh, it's really fast, and I like that because in certain way it's like a mysterious guy. You don't get it, but you 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 understand there's something there but you don't get everything. And I like that. And, and, and as I told you before, I, I think he's, is this new life where he, now he's a family guy. Uh, he's a, 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 a father that is uh, worried about spending time with, with her, with his daughter. And, and I think that that's what makes uh, Bernardo even more interesting as a character. Yeah. And Amelia, you were saying before how you had the opportunity to film the musical numbers with Feria, you know, very much in sequence. And so for the two of you, I, I was interested in hearing a bit about the use of body language as a form of expression through those performances, because, you know, they don't know each other. They don't have a pre-existing history with one another at the beginning. And there's that moment even where they have to turn back to back to sing with one another. Um, you know, and, and Amelia, particularly with your performance, she even still at the music recital at the end, she comes out of herself a bit more physically but still kind of keeps her hands close to her chest and it's not until the final audition when she embraces sign language and, and everything that she's been trying to keep hidden within her life in the outside world um, that she has that full kind of physical connection to the music as well and Ferdia you know again like your character is going through a very similar trajectory of, of figuring a lot of things out within himself and so you have that similar journey of development of, of kind of physical expression through the music as well and so I was interested in how the two of you work to find that not just for your own performance but alongside one another because there's a lot of linearity in that connection. Well, after I finished fishing with Troy and Daniel in the two weeks of rehearsals, um, I would then meet up with Ferdia and we would work with Nick Baxter, the music producer. We kind of go over the song and we worked on the music side of things, but in terms of our characters, we didn't really ever talk about it together until we got to set. And I think that was really exciting because 
there were times where I was just constantly kind of kept on my toes. Like, what is he going to do? Is he going to just walk away and ignore me? Or is he going to kind of wait? And are we going to walk out the same way? And we just kind of didn't really rehearse that kind of thing. And yeah, it was exciting. You know, Ruby, when she's with her family and when she's interpreting, it's where she's most confident. You know, it's her first language and she is, it's, she's good at it and she loves it. And then when she's at school, you know, she was bullied and she's kind of shy. And so it was quite fun having the two completely different dynamics. So, because on, on set, it was the same. Days with Ferdia were so different to days with uh, Eugenio or days with Marley, Troy and Daniel. But we had a lot of fun kind of navigating the character. All those scenes were so fun. I, I, I remember I was kind of like Ruby. I was like, because I hadn't really sung before. And I remember we, when we were doing the uh, the scene, you know, when, when it's like the performance, I remember I was like, oh, I don't want this to end. It's so fun <laughs> singing. Ferdy is amazing at music, so it wasn't new to him, but it was for sure new to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was mad. It's it's so different when you see the film because um, yeah, when I saw it, I, I I didn't see any of the fishing stuff, and uh, it was it was bizarre. I had a little experience going out and seeing the boat, but sometimes when I sh when we were shooting, I just thought we were shooting Glee or something. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, no, I'm uh, that's a joke, but. Uh, it was yeah no it was it was great as as um, Amelia said working with uh, Nikolai Baxter who was the musical director on set he was he, we did a, a lot of playing together leading up to the film and rehearsing the songs uh, and yeah I think the we just had we we were all kind of on the same page very quickly I think in leading up to the shoot and through rehearsals and uh, through the you know process and getting involved with Sean and. Um, when it came to actually shooting, yeah, there was a lot of we we played a lot on set and and just our scenes were so um, not that there weren't weren't depth to them, but a lot of them were quite light and fun. And I think we just had a, it was it was a real relief from other things I've done. Certainly, just kind of getting to play with it and having a bit of humor involved, and uh, and then getting to play music. It was a joy. Yeah. And, and lastly, Amelia and Troy, I wanted to talk about the scene with the two of you after he's watched her perform musically because, every, you know, I rewatched the film again last night and every single time it makes me cry. It's such a beautiful scene and so intimate between the two of them. And it's because you're so nuanced with the performances, you know, you're not making the big choices. It's just about the two of them in that moment and nobody else. Um, and I was interested in, in how you kind of found the choices that you did for your performance to keep it so intimate and so connected in the way that you did. Uh, what, I, okay. what I will say is Sean, Sean is an, a phenomenal director. And I think, you know what it's like with independent movie making. It was the last scene of the day and we were running out of time. And, you know, Troy and I and Sean knew how important this scene was. And so Sean kind of, you know, she was working with us and we wanted to make sure that Troy could actually feel the vibrations. We didn't want to cheat it. So we were working together and, and uh, Troy and I were really close. We're really close. Troy has a coda daughter the same age as me and I was away from my dad missing him. And so we were, we just kind of fell into that father daughter bond. And uh, while we were shooting that scene, when we were trying to figure out, you know, how it was best that Troy could feel vibrations, Troy kind of pulled away from me and he said, I'd give anything to hear you sing right now. And then folded me into one of his hugs. And we kind of just sat there for a second. And I think Sean saw that. And so she said action immediately after. 
after that and she cross covered because we were running out of time but also she didn't want to kind of do Troy's coverage then turn over to me because it was such an emotional scene and so Sean was really our friend in that scene and honestly I I loved filming it and I and I love Troy with with all my heart I agree completely with what Amelia said you know as Frank I don't think Frank has an opportunity to really get close to his daughter's face and see her emotions as she's singing you know, as a daughter and as a father, I really wanted to really understand and see and analyze her facial expressions. I wanted to forget about the outside world and just spend a moment eye to eye without words, without sign language, just feel 100% of that energy and just capture it because less was more regarding choices in acting in that scene. So keeping everything quiet and just communicating everything through the eyes and just feel it, that was it. I would love to jump in uh, just before we wrap up. As the cast, as all of us working together, it was amazing because there was so much interconnectivity with music and Ferdia's uh, love of music and the parents and their love of their their community and their their daughter growing up and the world of codas and interpreting and having a deaf son and every level in this film was interconnected somehow and it's such a beautiful expression of Sean Heater's writing of all of our acting together and the fact that we were just able to focus I mean there was it's just one big package that is amazing. And as a cast, I want to just reiterate that we work so hard. We do our best to be as creative as we could for an audience and to, and to pull it off. And I think it's just amazing that we, would do, we, we were able to do that. You can't find a closer cast than us. We are literally a family. <laughs> I think it so comes across every single time you watch this movie. I don't know a single person that's watched this film and not completely fallen in love with it. And every single time you watch this film, there's so many more details in all of your performances. So it's really, really phenomenal. Congratulations on, on all of the success the film has had so far. And thank you so much to all of you today. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Love you all. Thank you. Love you all.